Podcraft. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome, everybody, to this episode, Encourage Your Partner's Authenticity. And I'm really excited about this one because I get to do this episode with my wife, Ivana Rainbow. And we're doing it on a really special day. It's our 23rd wedding anniversary. And as we were taking walks in the forest on the day, we were reminiscing about our relationship and our 23-year marriage. And we were talking about the foundations of our relationship. And one of them is definitely how we encourage each other's authenticity. So we thought it would be fun to have a conversation and tell stories about our life and how we've supported each other and encouraged each other in being authentic. And I want to tell a little bit about my wife and how she expresses her life to the world at the moment. She is an incredible artist, and she has her own upcycle clothes design business. She also facilitates voice empowering workshops and hosts a monthly red tent in our home, holding space and encouraging women's self-empowerment. So, we hope you will enjoy our stories. And... I want to let you in on a story that I've never told publicly before about my name and how it came about and how my wife encouraged and supported that process. So before we get on to the episode, I want to tell you about a workshop that my wife and I are giving in Asheville, North Carolina on Saturday, April 27th, The Power of Appreciation for Couples. It's a workshop with live demonstrations by my wife, Rainbow, and I, as well as interactive one-on-one couples exercises on the art of appreciating. It's one of the most transformational workshops we have done. So for more information and to register, go to my website, heartsharecounseling.com, and press the upcoming workshops page, or check out the show notes on this episode for the hyperlinks. And you're always welcome to support the podcast with a one-time donation. And you can get that information on my website, heartsharecounseling.com. So everybody, enjoy this episode. Encourage your partner's authenticity. Well, I'm really excited to do this episode because I get to do it with my wife, Ivana Rainbow. Hey, babe. Hey, I'm very excited to be here, finally in the hot seat. In the studio hot seat. Yeah, because usually you're behind the scenes. You are such an integral part of the incubation of this podcast, along with Xander and Emma and a few other people helping me along the way. But um, you always encourage, you brainstorm with me constantly. You help with editing and put me in the right direction and yeah we take long walks together in the forest discussing the podcast themes and and lots of ideas 
And I love when you listen to the podcast on your own and you give me a lot of encouraging ideas and tell me how much you love it. <laughs> I especially love to get that feedback from you. It's it's wonderful that we get to do our our podcast together. I hope it's uh, the first of, of many. Mm-hmm, me too. So doing this one, encouraging your partner's authenticity, boy, I tell you, that is a foundation, I think, of our relationship because as I said in a previous podcast around kindness, not only are you the kindest person that I've been with and I've met, but I also believe that you're one of the most authentic people I've ever met and been with. Thank you, love. I actually also want to say that meeting you made a huge change in my life because finally I met a person who really appreciated me and saw my quirkiness and weirdness as charming and unique and spoke it back to me with appreciation. And I had never experienced anything like that before in my life. What about the way you so uniquely express yourself in your dress? I mean, people that know you, that's, of course, one thing that we find just so charming is you're not out of a, a, a styling magazine at all. You're just put it together so artistic and homemade and exotic and the colors are just incredible and something that you don't think matches for you it's you it matches so how was that growing up in, in Denmark were you always dressing so uniquely yeah more or less I think even as a little kid my mom made a lot of my clothes and she put flowers and things on the clothes and I was actually also very unique in school and I did get teased now and then for that but I stood my ground. This is how I wanted to dress. I remember in third grade, I was wearing these tall white boots. I mean, I don't mean tall, but, but they went up to my knees, white lacquer boots and hot pants. Mm. I got teased for it, but I liked wearing it, so I didn't care. You always get so many compliments when we're out about just the uniqueness of how you dress and how you put things together. And what I love about it is recently in the last five years or so, you also made that a business. You make recycled clothes. Yeah, I have my artsy goddess studio upcycled clothes that I sell locally in Black Mountain in some stores there. And I'm really happy having my clothes there and they really appreciate my unique style. And flower power style because I love making flowers. I love when you bring stuff by me and you know try it on and ask me where does this flower go? Where should this go? Does this look good? And and uh, yeah, it's so funny. You're not at all into fashion like I am. I just love fashion without following the fashion world, but I love finding my own unique style and inspire others to find their own unique style and to not really follow their fashions, but follow an inner voice. And I just think it's so funny how you can actually help me when I feel a little stuck or insecure about a design and I come by you and I put it on and I was like, should this flower go a little higher up, a little down? Should there be a pocket here? What do you think? And you give me really good feedback. 
Well, you say that I'm not so much fashion, but because of you and because of meeting you, I found my own style. And I think it's pretty unique in some way, especially in the beginning, how I was really experimenting because I came from the corporate world and I had a certain slick style, um, but it was pretty mainstream. But meeting you and at Esalen, boy, I, I went off. I mean, I was, I think I even wore a couple of your pants, you know, like baggy pants and wild colors and I was really experimenting with, with my dress. So I think that that's pretty cool too, that I found my unique style based on your inspiration of not only what you were and you're wearing, but you so encouraged me to do that. And that, that I want to thank you so much. You never mocked me. You never laughed, but you didn't like my pink uh, fluorescent, what was it? The fuchsia running jacket that I brought to Esalen that I thought was so cool. Why didn't you like that? Well, for two reasons. First of all, it was cool pink, and I like warm colors. And second of all, it was plastic, and Uh, I was into natural. Yeah, it was my running jacket. So I did tease you with that one and tried to get you off that. And I also thought it wasn't so personal. Mm. I really liked seeing you when you would put on my pants. It was so fun that we wore the same size. Mm. So you could try on my pants and my... Real exotic cardigans. Those exotic baggy pants to me, they were like MC Hammer type pants. They were genie type pants. And that really brought out something in me that was more exotic and unique. And uh, yeah, brought out another part of me, more an internal authenticity that I think that you really encouraged. Yeah. And it was such a difference from you wearing that cool pink plastic Mm. jacket which anyone can wear and buy in a sports store to wear these funny pants that was unique baggy with inserts of different colors to them and that right in front of my eyes I just saw your personality come out just because you wore that kind of clothes but you've always then from that point on you always encouraged that and so that was just wonderful and yeah, I would go to the free store and uh, go find clothes and bring it back to you. And yeah. do you remember that burgundy, long, silky uh, robe? Rope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I brought home, I think I brought it home for me to wear, <laughs> and you immediately said, that's mine. I remember wearing it into the lodge, and I got a lot of people looking at me, and one person went, yep, Okay. That's what he's doing. He's experimenting with himself because I, I think I didn't even wear hardly anything, maybe just even underwear underneath it. And, and I was just walking in and just experimenting. And that was a wonderful place to experiment at Esalen, being this human potential learning center. And and I just remember, I told this story before, but we were roommates. We were placed in a single room together, two single beds. Uh, from the very first day, we were actually the only man and woman that was placed in a single room, which ended up mattering to us because we've been living together from the very first day we met for the last 24 years. And I remember that that first day when I quit my corporate job, came out to Esalen and was on my journey of authenticity, but I was still inauthentic in many ways, trying to impress and trying on what it was to be different. And I remember I opened up my suitcase and I had all my herbs and tinctures that I was experimenting with in an alternative way. 
to impress you. I remember saying, you can use these anytime you want. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, I was just like, I am not impressed by that at all. <laughs> I, and I had to very I diplomatically tell one. you, I'm not going to try out any of that. I'm not really into supplements. Yeah. I'm into whole foods. I thought I lost you on that one. But I think it was almost in the same conversation that I I sank in more and centered myself. And I wanted to share a song with you from Seal. And it was called A Newborn Friend for the World. Do you remember that? I saw him a few days earlier in L.A. Before I came up to Esalen, I had a second row seat. And we were, he was singing it, and he was looking at me, and I was singing it back to him, and it was so profound. Wow, that's so cool. Did you go alone to that concert? I went with a friend, actually, yeah. yeah. I went with a friend to that concert. And, and uh, you were still vibrating from that concert when you met me, I and was. you wanted to play one of his songs for me? Yeah. I and would you really surprised me. with a total stranger and hold them in my arms. Hell, there can be no danger if I open up, cause when the crying starts, so if I choose for happiness, maybe that would make me feel better. Mm. I can't change my ideals, I can't lose my desire. Oh, if I choose for happiness, maybe that would make me feel better. I'd be a newborn friend for the world. That was it. That was that song that brought us together. Oh, gosh. You kind of had me there from that <laughs> moment on. I was so impressed how you dared to just sing a whole song in front of me that you had just met the day before. Well, that was the start. I mean, even when I said I wanted to sing a little bit on my podcast, and I cringe when I think about that because I uh, have trouble with my own voice. And you were so encouraging. No, oh, sing on the podcast, sing on the podcast. And throughout all of our time being together, you've loved me to just break out in song. And you encourage that authenticity in me to come out instead of that it's got to sound a certain way and, and so forth, my own judgment of my voice. And, and so thank you so much for just allowing and encouraging me to just break out in song. Yeah, you're welcome. But I really think, I mean, you sing from your heart. It's so authentic. It doesn't matter if it mm. sounds good or bad because what I feel and hear is that you're into that song. You like it. I f hear your passion. And that's what counts, not if it's perfect. Mm. See, when you say things like that, that helps me ground myself into finding my own self and my own voice and that's how we've been in our relationship. And again, that to me is one of the foundational aspects is how we encourage each other's self-growth, even though we might not at times totally agree with maybe that decision, but we know if the other person really feels they need to do that for some reason, we totally back it. We totally encourage it. Yeah, because we can just feel the realness behind what you're sharing so one reason why you were such an inspiration to me with sound was you would just break out in, in sound. Like I remember hearing you walk around the house saying, Rocky Balboa, Rocky Balboa. And I was like, what the hell? Why are you saying Rocky Balboa? Yeah, it just came through me. And I could have just kept it inside. 
but I'm in the process of allowing sounds and words to come through. So I just wanted to say it and see how it felt in my mouth. You just heard it one time or something like that, and then then all of a sudden you want to say it. It comes through my head, and then <laughs> I'll say it. The same happens when I walk in the forest, and all of a sudden I get an idea, and I start singing, or I start toning an ah sound. It just comes through me. And the reason why I'm on a path to allow what's coming through me, because I was a shy child and I think I was told to be quiet and not speak so much and in school they saw it I couldn't speak I had to go to a speech therapist Mm. so I didn't really dare to speak and I thought I could only speak if I said the right things School was a bit set up like that. If I would take my finger up and say something and it was the wrong answer and the other kids would laugh and I got felt really ashamed and it shut me down and I didn't dare to speak. So I did not speak during school hours. I would speak in the breaks with my friends, but the teachers thought there was something wrong with me. So I've been working on my shyness all my life. And it is interesting that I am now teaching these sounding workshops, and I've done that for the last eight years, encouraging people to make vowel sounds and baby sounds and animal sounds in a way to open up to their authentic voice. And I've loved going to it. It's really helped me. I love when I had the chance to go to a few of your workshops. Yeah, it meant a lot to me that you would come along to those workshops. I I know they're always on a Sunday afternoon and that breaks up your relaxing weekend, but I'm really grateful that you came along and I appreciated your feedback from the way I was facilitating the workshops. You really grew. I was amazed, uh, especially the last one some months ago, how you took up the space and oh, you had 20 some odd people there and how you just really led them through a healing process. I was so proud of you. You really showed yourself. That was a very great high experience. And I've come a long way from in the beginning eight years ago when I first taught them and I was stumbling and insecure But I stuck with it, and now it's such an empowering experience, and it's so gratifying to see people who come to the workshop and they're insecure in the beginning, and they leave almost flying out of the room, high and confident. And I think one reason that people are able to show their own true self is that you're so grounded. That was one of the things that I was attracted to when I first met you was you were so present, you know, you, you were grounded and you maintained eye contact and you spoke slow and purposeful. And to me, that was such an inspiration that was being so authentic. Yeah. I love those long eye contacts with you and you dared to have that contact with me. I really wanted to listen to you and find out who you were. And I was listening 
beyond the words, just through the eyes. And probably maybe for the first time for you, you were being seen even when you were quiet and I just looked at you and saw you and saw your authentic self. How was that for you? I think I spoke to it on the on the first podcast and that's what I was looking for. I was really looking for to be met in that way, to, for somebody to make that kind of deep eye contact of a connection so I can see inside somebody and to be known to me. That's intimacy, to know and to be known, that vulnerability. And when we would have those looks and especially that first one that we had that was really we were met in each other's kind of strength and our true self i call it i felt deeply in love with you i felt like you're the one you're it it took me what only six months later to to ask you to to marry me on that one but <laughs> i knew that you were the one i i think i knew that we had such potential of growth with each other because of the encouragement of bringing out the best of each other and to encourage each other to to experiment and to grow i'd never had that before in my life it was more expectations of what i should be and what somebody else wanted me to be than somebody like yourself somebody who you are that just encouraged me to be me whatever mm -hmm. that was yeah, and we were genuinely interested in hearing what the other person had to say. We were so very different, and it was intriguing getting to know this very different person. You were also coming from a different culture, a different continent than what I grew up in. And you were a city boy, and I was more out from nature, small town. And I remember when I felt deeper in love with you was about four months into our relationship. You had been away on the vision quest with Little Bear in the mountains, met your mountain lion, and you had been away for one month at a monastery for a meditation retreat. And when you came back from that, that had been a big shift in you, like groundedness set in and maturity it was like you clicked in with your body and the pieces fell into place and you were more of a whole being and then I felt really deeply in love with you because before then I had explored around a little bit at Eslan and wasn't sure if I was gonna follow the path with you but when you came back from meditation, meditating for one month, you were changed. Yeah, I think that that's when I really had a sense of my genuineness, you know, spending time in silence and sitting by myself and really evaluating who I was and how I wanted to be and that contemplation, a lot of things shed and more of my true self started to emerge. So the meditation was absolutely key and it continues to be a key in my life. And you've been so encouraging of that and the, to the fact that you make my altars and my pillows and you set up my meditation space so beautifully and help me ma maintain it. So you you really encourage that because you get a lot of benefit from that also. 
Yes, I sure do. When when you get a little too much up in your head and not so grounded, I'm like, Prepo, <laughs> go meditate. You have a really nice meditation area. How about you go check that out? Go check that out and go go be silent for about a half hour. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, and when you come back from your meditation, mm, I fall in love with you again. Mm, that's wonderful. I remember a little over 20 years ago, you began to walk around with a notebook and a pen and walk off into nature. You would come back from your nature walks with this beautiful poetry you had been mm. writing. And I was really blown away about the deep words you put together. And it emanated from your whole being. I began to call you Prince Poet because you were also wearing all this interesting clothes that I had been hand sewing you and artsy prince-like hats. It was just like you were a Prince Poet. I never wrote poetry before in my life. And that just, just was coming out that... Uh, some genuine words that were just wanting to emanate and and uh, you call me your prince poet and me going out in nature and that turned into one of my biggest transformations and probably the, one of the most authentic decisions that I ever made in my life so yeah that's a lovely story very special and unique yeah it's a, it's unique but it's a little vulnerable to be able to say because I would only tell the, this true story to only a select few yeah, I know. You're very vulnerable about this story. Yeah, it was my most authentic moment in my life, and uh, I've embraced it. So that's what really feels good was just before Xander was born, and I was spending a lot of time out in nature and writing, and I really wanted to figure out what peace meant to me in my life. At that time, I wasn't working. We were living off of savings, getting ready to be parents, and spending a lot of time, this inward process of self-growth. And I wanted to be peace more in my life. I wanted to emanate it. And you were calling me Prince Poet, and one day you called me Prepo, short for Prince Poet. And all of a sudden, I just took out my notebook, and I looked, and I remember I wrote a prose poetry piece that was peace reflecting into people's oneness p-r-i-p-o peace reflecting into people's oneness prepo and the sound that the wind was making when i was out writing this piece it was prepo <laughs> really people it was it really was that and i looked at the title of the piece and it was peace reflecting into people's oneness and I thought that's it that's what I want my my name to be my name I want it to be prepo and the reason why was just at that time we were reading a mutant message down under this Australian book about this woman who told a story about how the aborigines would change their name to something that they want to manifest in their life for instance, if they wanted to play the flute really well, they would name themselves flute. And then when they mastered it, 
they would change their name to something else that they wanted to manifest. And I thought, wow, peace. Now, if I want more peace in my life, every time that that word is spoken, prepose coming out, that peace would come from me. And it was kind of my secret word that nobody really knew what it meant. I remember, again, at that time, searching for more authenticity, I wanted to also purge and let go and peel away things that weren't authentic. So I was born Stephen Lawrence Toplitsky. That was my name for 33 years. I called up my mother and asked her, okay, Lawrence, I never resonated with Lawrence. Where did that come from? And she was like, you don't know where that came from? I'm like, nope. Who, where, why did you name me Lawrence? Uh, it came from your great uncle, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, what attributes did he have? And she couldn't give me a good answer. So I said, okay, scratch it. Lawrence is gone. So I went down to the Boulder Courthouse and changed my name to Stephen Prepo Toplitsky. And I asked you to keep calling me Prepo. I asked some good friends and some family members to call me Prepo. And it was feeling really powerful. And right before Xander was born, I decided to flip it to make my first name Prepo. And I kept Stephen in there because uh, for legal reasons, I didn't want to get new credit cards and all kinds of that stuff. So I remember going to the courthouse this time to change it. Uh, the woman in front of me was changing her name. The judge said in this big black robe and state seal on the bench said, well, why do you want to change your name? And I thought to myself, wow, I'm going to get to speak the truth to authority about bringing peace in my life and so forth. And when he asked me, why do you want to change your name? I remember I froze. I just looked at him and I froze and I said, cause I like it. And then he said, what do your friends call you? And I want to say, if they're truly embraced my authenticity and my true self, I just said, they call me Prepo. And he said, name changed. I walked out of there all dejected. It was a cold, rainy day. And I went to, at that time, it was phone booths, no uh, cell phone. And I called up Adley, good friend of mine. And I told him what happened. And I said, man, I didn't get to speak my truth, you know. And he just said, hey, brother, man, did I tell you how much I love you today? And I said, no, man, tell me. He said, yo, man, why don't you fucking relax? You just changed your name to Prepo. You didn't change it to Scott or something. And no offense to you Scots out there. You just changed your name to Prepo. Why don't you just lighten up? And I was like, holy shit. I just changed my name to Prepo. And there it is, folks. That's how my name came about and uh, you so encouraged it my family had a hard time with it at times which I can understand but they came around and all my friends came around and what's really kind of beautiful was when people would ask where that name came from I didn't want to tell them this whole story because I felt it was pretty sacred and so I would just tell them ah it's it's Romanian because that's where um, my grandfather comes from. And as you know, lo and behold, about uh, four years ago, my mom was doing a ancestral tree and she showed me my great, great grandmother's maiden name is Pripichina, P-R-I-P-I-C-H-E-N-Y-A. So it's not Pripo, but it's pretty damn close. And when I look up Pripo, it's in that area where Romania is as a last name. So I maybe was ahead of my time 
a little bit of choosing my name. I think you were very tuned in, and I think you're such a prepo. It just, right from the start, felt so natural and brought out even more of your unique you-ness to call you prepo. And also peace. I have never experienced more peace at times in my life since I changed my name that way. Yeah, you're a really walking mm. with peace. Ever since then, that was such a turning point. Mm. And again, you so encouraged it and even defended me with family members that said, you know, you're never going to get a job with that name. And Yeah, my mom was very concerned that you had prepotiplitsky. What does they say? It's a hard thing to pronounce even. <laughs> Yeah, but until uh, 2008 when it was uh, Barack Obama became president, then I told her, I said, hey, I'm set. If Barack Obama, Barack Hussein Obama can become president, Prepo Toplitsky could get a job anywhere. So, so. My mom, she came around. And- <laughs> yeah, my, when my grandmother came around and called me Prepo, that was a big deal. But you had some authentic moments with also you changing your name in some instance because you were so encouraging and saying, of course, you should be able to change your name. You know who you want to be. You know how you want to be called. You had Yeah, that was just so natural that of course you should change your name. It just felt right. It was a natural process seeing this come out in you. So there was no doubt that you should let go of Stephen and it flowed really well into Prepo. Hmm. And now to me you're Prepo Lipo. <laughs> That's right, I'm Prepo Lipo at home, folks. <laughs> Tell us how Rainbow came about. Well, yeah, that was probably a year later. We lived in Europe at that time. We were spending a month in Portugal on the coast there. We um, had moved away from Colorado and we'd actually moved to France. And then we decided that that was not where we were going to live. So we tried out different places, Scandinavia, and we ended up down in Portugal. And we walked at the beach every day to ask the oceans for direction with our life, uh, where to go next. And one morning I woke up from a very strong dream. And that dream said rainbow. And I ran down to the ocean and jumped around in the waves, singing rainbow, rainbow in all kinds of ways, rainbow. And it became clear to me that I should adopt that name. I always loved my birth name, both my birth names that my parents gave me, I thought was very unique. My first name, Yvonne, I've always loved that name and I had never seek to change it. And my middle name was Lücke, which means happy. And they gave me that name when I was 10 years old because they thought I was such a happy child, always positive minded. So I liked my name, Yvonne Happy. But uh, this dream just came in and it was so strong. It's so funny because I had not even seeked another name. I hadn't even thought about it. But I just knew. I had to accept it. This was 
a message from the vast universe coming through my dream and just felt it took up my being and I said to you I want to be called rainbow from now on and you accepted it right away yeah to me you look like a rainbow how you just dress in all these incredible colors and rainbow is so hopeful and and to me you're just always full of hope so it, it just fit yeah later on I could really see that if I had thought about this, this was really the name I should have because I am very colorful and I'm a very positive person and I always like to bridge like a rainbow bridge. If there's any conflicts, I am the peacemaker and the rainbow is a magic symbol of the rain. It brings hope. And also what was really beautiful about that, we did get the sign to go next and we ended up going living in Maui and going to Maui because that was the Rainbow Islands. So yeah, cool just two weeks after <laughs> I'd got my name, we decided to move to Maui. Yeah, from Portugal to Maui. Uh, we're going in the wrong direction, folks. But uh, there was something when we arrived on the island and it was like rainbow ice cream, rainbow latrines, rainbow, it was rainbow all over. cleaners. <laughs> Everything was called rainbow something. So I was not unique at all and I'd been so happy for my new name. But I stuck with it. It just felt right to call myself Rainbow. Yeah. It was natural. I just love that, that we can encourage each other to bring out whatever it is that we need to bring out, that we trust each other to know what needs to be brought out. And even if it's temporarily, there were times where you said that uh, you like Ivana and you're fine with being called Ivana. And there was a time maybe five years ago, eight years ago, that you wanted to be called Ivana again, and you decided also the combination of Ivana Rainbow, and you like either one, and they were both totally fine. It wasn't confusing to me at all that some people felt, make up your mind, you know, what do you want to do? Yeah, I just said to people here in America, you can call me what you want, Ivana mm -hmm. or Rainbow, both are fine. Yeah. I embrace both of them. And every year when I go spend a couple of months in Denmark, I'm always Yvonne there. Mm. And and that kind of, I tap into another part of me when I'm Yvonne. And it's fun to have those different parts of myself expressed through a name. People ask, well, how would you like if Xander changed his name? And I was like, I'd be, I'm fine if he wants to change his name or wanted to change his name in the past. And maybe as long as it wasn't Steve. <laughs> I know, but actually he did change his name when he was about six years old. Yeah, he right. wanted to be named Michael. Michael. We were not excited about that, um, but, but we totally did not <laughs> let him know that. And we were like, okay, we'll call you Michael yeah. if that is your desire. Because right. he was really admiring what of one of his friends named Michael. Yeah. So we just lovingly called him Michael and he was happy for a few months. He wanted that and then all of a sudden he was okay getting yeah. back to Xander. That, I think, came more from you, you know, you encouraging that authenticity in him. And I look forward to doing a whole podcast with you on parenting and and the authentic ways of parenting and so forth. Like when he wanted to cut his hair, he was like five, four or five years old and he cut his hair and on his own. And he ended up cutting his hair for like six, seven years after that. And most parents would freak because it wasn't always looking 
so sleek and wonderful when he cut his hair. It was choppy at times, and but you just let it be because he was expressing his authentic self. I always loved his very unique hairstyles that he created himself. He could cut the back of his head too. <laughs> and I just thought it was such a personal expression. And who is to tell us how our hair shall look like? And I certainly want to encourage him to have that, you know, self... Uh, Confidence. Yeah, I guess self-confidence was not really the word I was looking for. But that sense of that he is in control of his own hair and his looks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, self-directed. I never criticized his way of cutting his hair. I, I just thought he was cute and adorable no matter what. And it only brought out different looks that was fun to communicate with. And um, I also liked when he wanted to experiment with words. <laughs> I think he was like two years old or, or so when he was starting to speak three years, yeah, two. And he was in the backseat of the car and he went, bullshit. You remember that? And I thought, oh man, he shouldn't be saying this. And you said, no, 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 no. Let him taste it. He's just tasting his words. And he just went, bullshit, 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 bullshit. Yeah, and I went right with him too. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Because... He had no sense of what bullshit was and why put inhibitions on his expressions because that's what I felt had happened to me as a kid. So I did not want him to feel inhibited in his speech. So I just went ahead with him and said, bullshit, bullshit. And I think he stopped after that. He just like tasted it and he was done. Yeah. And then he laughed and we had fun with that. And then we moved on to the next. Mm. Been there, tried that. Hey, and something's come to mind about uh, about hair. I remember remember when we were living on Maui, so that was uh, about uh, 20 years ago. And at that time, I had the longest hair that I ever had, and it was long and curly. It was so beautiful. You looked like a Native American with that <laughs> beautiful, long, natural hair, and your name should have been wind and hair <laughs> damn i changed it to the wrong name. hey i could always change it i could change it now mm -hmm. but i was getting attached to it i was getting attached to my long hair i was getting attached to people telling me how beautiful it was and i was getting attached to the right curl day good hair days all of that and i decided that now i needed to let go of that attachment you know that buddhist philosophy in some way of letting go of attachments and so I remember sitting with you outside and telling you that I wanted to cut my hair. I wanted to shave it all off and because I wanted to be more naked for myself, to be more raw and vulnerable and to see more of my true self. And I unfurled the towel that had uh, the scissors, it had the buzzer, and it had the razor. And I looked at you and I said, and actually, you're going to cut it off, not me. I want to give you the honor. Yeah, and I thought you just wanted me to trim your hair. <laughs> but you said, no, no, I want you to cut it all off. And here is the electric. I think you started hyperventilating at that moment. I right? did hyperventilate. <laughs> and the interesting thing about it, folks, was after I cut my hair, you know what happened? 
I got attached to my bald head. I loved it. I love looking at my clean bald head. First time I ever saw my head out a beautiful round dome. And I got attached to it. <laughs> you look really handsome with bald head. And you were polishing it. I went from one attachment to the next. You look so cool. <laughs> I was really uh, impressed. Yeah. And I ended up doing it, I think, a few times after that. But again, you you know, you really just went along with my search and journey and decisions around finding deeper authenticity. And so I'm just, I thought it was so gutsy mm. for you to cut all that beautiful long hair off yeah. and yeah. go bald. Yeah. And to bring out another part of yourself and to see mm -hmm. what would happen. It did. And it did bring out another part of you. Yeah. It was clean. It was clear. There was a shift in maturity there as well. That just makes me feel excited about our future together of of whatever decisions that we make in self-growth or more venturing into discovery of our own authenticity that I know that you'll have my back. Yeah, I love how we can surprise each other uh, spontaneous new ideas and that's also what keeps us young following new ideas and I'm certainly expecting that we will do that in the next 30 years of our lives together mm. follow spontaneous ideas and surprise people because it feels right in our hearts to do that and how we just also encourage each other to speak up and work on inner truth and inner authenticity and boundaries and you know i love when we encourage each other when i may come to you and say look shit you know i'm disappointed in myself because i didn't speak my truth or i'm not holding a certain boundary you really support me in doing that yeah and point out where you are holding up your authenticity and where you are speaking your truth yeah Right. Being a little too hard on yourself. Yeah. Or with you recently in your crone ceremony, um, when you did a rites of passage of aging in your crone ceremony, and one of your big focuses was to what? Yeah, that was four months ago. I, I made this ceremony for myself, and I had 24 women from my neighborhood and friends come over to partake and witness this ritual of um, entering into my elder years, being 59, I declared in front of all of them that I was tired of not speaking my truth when I encountered talkaholics and not interrupting them. And I was really tired. I'm like, gosh, I spent almost 60 years allowing people to talk over me and just talk and talk and have monologues when I really want dialogues. So I declared no more of that. No more. Yeah. So I said, I am going to cut in. I am going to speak back. I'm going to tell you how I feel about this. If you don't want to engage in a dialogue with me, I will walk away. And I totally encourage you to do that, except when you do it to me. <laughs> it makes it a little tougher, but you're, you're, I, I encourage you to, to cut through, especially with me, if I, if I do any of that 
to you and yeah and you do sometimes of course well you you know you can listen to there's a really good podcast episode on talkaholics that you can listen to mm-hmm. yeah so this is ongoing 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 work yeah. we're working on hey honey thank you so much this was really sweet to just kind of venture in our life and talk about something a subject of uh encouraging each other's authenticity that's such a foundation in our relationship and on such a special day of our 23rd wedding anniversary so it was, it's a wonderful experience to do this with you on this special day yeah it feels really meaningful that we're celebrating making this podcast here and starting this more visible journey together so i'm really looking forward to more Me too. I'm really excited. This is fun. Yeah. Thanks folks. Thanks for listening to our stories. Relationships. Let's talk about it. Is a production of Heartshare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed professional counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk at adithemonk.com. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is produced by PodCraft. Create your own great podcast today, faster and easier at podcraft.us. Thank you.